Welcome to our Killick Explains Finance podcast series. This first set of 10 podcasts introduces all the basic concepts of saving and investing. It's designed for novices and more experienced savers and investors alike, and it will hopefully be jargon-free and easy to listen to. If you'd like to see any of the videos that link to these podcasts, please go to killick.com forward slash learn. Welcome to this Killick Explains Finance podcast. This week, three things an investor should know about risk. Now, what are those three things? And then we'll go through them. Number one, managing risk is as important as seeking returns. All too often, you see investors with a portfolio focused on chasing the next hot ticket and forgetting about risk management. Number two, it can't all be quantified. Yes, there's plenty of science around risk. Yes, there are some magic numbers, but quite a bit of risk management is intangible. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. And thirdly, taking more of it does not guarantee better returns. That's a fundamental misunderstanding, but a remarkably common one. So let's take those in turn. First of all, managing risk, a vast topic. And in this short podcast, I'm just gonna make two or three observations. As Howard Marks of Oak Tree Capital put it, if we avoid the losers, the winners will take care of themselves. What he meant by that was you need to spend as much time worrying about your potential portfolio downside as you do the stocks that are going to run themselves up and make you profits. So a few rules of thumb, and that's all I'll do here. First of all, low purchase prices do not guarantee a bargain, but they do increase your potential upside. Remember, the fundamental plank of value investing in particular is buy good companies at a low price. You need those two things together. By doing so, you limit your potential downside. You're not guaranteeing you're going to pick winners, but you are limiting your potential downside. So that's pretty vital, paying competitive prices for the stocks you buy. Number two, when there's nothing clever to do, it's a mistake to try to be clever. Nice quote, what it means is, as an investor, you have to be disciplined. Stick to your selection criteria for stocks, drop stocks when they fail to meet those criteria, and in periods where the market's going sideways or there are no obvious bargains, don't be tempted to move. Equally, if the market is going through a period of volatility, don't feel you have to do something, close out to cash, anything like that. Sitting still, time in the market is often the best strategy. And number three, you've got to be able to survive on the market's worst days, not just its average days. So when you're buying, say, a fund, for example, look back. How good was the fund manager at coping with big, savage market downturns? Because it's no good if they're just a fair-weather fund manager who can't deal with situations where the market takes a complete beating. Those are just rules of thumb, but all important aspects of managing downside risk, something that's easily forgotten, especially as markets seem to be going upwards in one direction recently. Number two, risk is not just a number. In other words, yes, there are lots of magic numbers around risk and return. Standard deviation, beta, sharp ratios if you're looking at funds. Now, these I cover in other podcasts, so I'm just going to mention the names here. And then for those people who like to use derivatives, which won't be many people listening to this, I suspect, delta and gamma. Now, these are all different varieties of risk measure, essentially. But are they alone enough? And the answer is no because certain types of risk can't be quantified. And they're the ones, for example, that we link to behavior. So 
As investors, we're human, we're emotional, the numbers don't tell the full story. So, as I cover in other podcasts, we get things wrong. We try to time the market when we shouldn't. We anchor to historic, irrelevant information that we should have let go of. We herd, we follow the crowd as the market goes up and gets over-exuberant, we follow it down as pessimism takes hold, and we can be too confident in our own abilities and not stick to systems. So all sorts of ways in which our own behavior creates risk aside from any underlying investment risk. And then third, a very common misconception about risk. The basic textbook, it says if you draw a risk and return relationship on a graph, as you take more risk, you should get a higher return. No. Essentially, as you take more risk, your chances of earning a higher return may increase. But the point is, you're actually increasing the overall volatility of your expected returns as you take on more risk. So yes, the highs might be higher, but the lows might be lower. And it's that second bit that people often forget. And they go, well, I took more risk. Why haven't I made greater returns? It's just not that simple. So as risk rises, expected returns rise, but not guaranteed returns. That's why we use that phrase. As does the range of possible outcomes to the upside and the downside. In other words, the worst outcome gets worse and can even go negative. So as you take on more risk, you increase your chances of taking a big loss as well as potentially making a big gain. And it's that volatility of returns that's often overlooked when people look at risk. Loads of ground cover there, loads more I could say. Any questions, editor at killick.com. And there's a video on this topic and some of those terms of jargon I just mentioned at killick.com forward slash learn. This podcast does not purport to explain all aspects of this topic in detail and Killick & Co accepts no liability for any reliance placed or investment decisions made from it. Killick & Co is a trading name of Killick & Co LLP who are authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Further details are available on our website, www.killick.com.